Hello and welcome to season two of the World's Most Traveled Podcast. As always, my name is Joel Taffer. I'm back with my dad, Bill Taffer. And today we we're going to talk a little bit about his most recent trip. So, Dad, take it away. Okay, uh, I'm going to do something entirely different here. Uh, it was a very exciting trip, basically a dangerous trip. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start from the end first. So here I am in Mogadishu. We've just gotten our fake, phony COVID test. The last one, I th- it was seven that we had on this whole trip. So uh, when we were in Mogadishu, the uh, guide said, here's the deal. We can give you a phony one and you'll get it right now. Or you can have a real one and wait a couple of days. And so the saying in Africa is, I either have a lot of money or a lot of time. So we got phony test and it worked. What do you and, mean by phony test? Uh, they just handed it to you. They printed the name on the certificate and you, you passed. They didn't give you a test. They wow. just give you the certificate. So we're sitting on the uh, Ethiopian airline plane jet. In other words, the jets, when they fly uh, into uh, Mogadishu, Somalia, they're all white, which if any of you have traveled in third world countries, those are usually the CIA planes. So they're, 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 there's no dis- markings on them. So I, whether that prevents a rocket or not, I don't know. But, you know, the beaches in Mogadishu are beautiful, 85 degree aquamarine colors that blue and green mixed together. Fabulous place. And so the when you're in the green zone, which is the safest area in the capital Mogadishu, the, the runway's right there. So when diplomats and stuff come in, they come in and we and you stay in the green zone. It's the protected area that has walls like a castle all around it. It has checkpoints everywhere. So I'm sitting there on the tarmac. I think, well, are we going to take a, a, a missile up the tailpipe? But we didn't. Boom! We get out of uh, uh, Somalian airspace and we get back into Mogadishu. I mean, get back into Addis Ababa where we first started. So uh, I happen to have business class tickets, which is a smart thing to do sometimes, especially in the third world. So I go to the lounge and the lounge held about 300 people, but there was nobody there. Just like our whole trip through Ethiopia and Somali land, there was nobody there. It was completely void of any tourists. And uh, that was kind of neat, except there was one guy in the the lounge uh, on a chair, uh, kind of a sofa with a blanket over him couple hours goes by because we had like a 12-hour layover on our way home from uh, the trip. And he wakes up and he's an Afrikaner. He's a white Dutch guy, fifth generation South African, never been out of Africa. And we say, hey, what's going on? And he said, I lost my passport three weeks ago and I can't leave here. So because he's on business class and because Ethiopian Airlines is a very good airline and they're cool they let him stay in the lounge so he's got showers place to sleep and food and uh, we, we exchanged emails and about a week and a half later somebody turned in his passport so he's finally allowed to leave but had he been outside in co- coach class I, I, I don't know what would have happened to him but backing up when you go into uh, Somalia Um, you have guards with you from the get-go. And uh, when we first, I'm doing this trip, you know, backwards for you guys. So when I got into Somalia, we uh, were at the airport in uh, Addis Ababa. And uh, 
the guy that arranges my stuff usually to places in the Caucasus and remote areas of Russia uh, also uh, sent me an email and said, there's going to be a lady joining your group. Well, my group is just two other guys. So at the airport on our way to Mogadishu, uh, we, I see one uh, Caucasian woman by herself, and uh, it's a lady named Ginger from, uh, from South Carolina who uh, didn't tell her family where she's going because they wouldn't let her go. She did, and she's traveling alone. And uh, so she joined our group. So staying in the, the uh, Al Jazeera Hotel in uh, the Green Zone in Mogadishu, uh, I, later I, I went to uh, Google it, and I saw that half the hotel had been wiped out about eight years earlier by a bomb. And uh, that was actually the part we were staying at when we were there and had the best food. Things to do in Somalia, uh, besides avoiding getting killed, and we had we had eight guys in the front in a pickup truck, all with loaded AK-47s, and a pickup truck behind us, and we were in two separate cars with two of us in each car, so there's four of us, and another group with AK-47. So what you do, you go to the lighthouse. You haven't seen Mogadishu, Somalia, unless you've seen the lighthouse. And the lighthouse was built by the Italians who used to uh, populate uh, the government, and, and they tried to control Somalia. So they, but they built this lighthouse, and it's in the beach there, fabulous boats, etc. It's It's quite dramatic. But you got 16 guards fanned out in a circle around protecting you. Then another place to go there as a tourist is the fish market where uh, all these guys have these giant knives and they're chopping up octopus, turtle, shark, everything. And, and that's quite a thing to see. And so those are the two highlights of uh, going around. We did see where uh, Black Hawk Down crashed. You wouldn't know it. They just pointed it out to us. It's just a a, a sandy uh, uh, street, uh, nondescript. But as you drive through this through the town, you see bullet holes and and bomb fragments and collapsed roofs and the machine gun spray uh, everywhere. And then all of a sudden we went into this compound, and there were about five groups of colorfully dressed women, all these different African dresses. And they're singing, and they're singing a greeting to us, us four. Uh, and uh, they're welcoming us there. And th there's 13 little suburbs of Mogadishu. This, was, this one's called Broken Town. And so Broken Town, uh, the uh, well-dressed, manicured uh, mayor of Broken Town greeted us, took us into his office. Meanwhile, these ladies are all singing and welcoming us there. And then they give us a, a feast, a, a lunch treat. And if that wasn't enough, they end up giving us all kinds of presents to take home, T-shirts and et cetera, and clothes and scarves and dresses and stuff like that. And then they showed us one of the things they're working on is teaching women to uh, sew so they can become self-sufficient. So when I did this slideshow on the Horn of Africa, where we are, a couple months ago in La Jolla, our host, Gloria McCoy of La Jolla, former president of the Traveler Century Club, she got together with the ladies after my slideshow that saw my slides on these women trying to uh, 
learn to sew, and they're getting a fund together to help supply sewing machines to these ladies in Broken Town, Mogadishu. So that's kind of neat. But I find out later that this well-manicured uh, mayor of Broken Town, he is replacing the guy who had his head cut off three weeks earlier from Al-Shabaab. And Al-Shabaab, they kind of make the cartel look like uh, child's play. So that was the third section, the final section of where we were on the Horn of Africa, uh, uh, Mogadishu. Prior to that, we'd been up in Somaliland, which is broken away uh, 40 years ago from, from Somalia. And you'll see refugees there. You'll see people walking down the road in their 20s and 30s. And our guide told us, well, these people are going to try to get to a port, maybe in Berbera or somewhere, and get on a ship, and, and they're selling themselves as slaves to the to the Middle East. They're, they're going to go to Dubai, uh, Abu Dhabi, somewhere in the Persian Gulf, and become indentured servants for the rest of their life. And it's really a sad, sobering thing to see. Uh, Somaliland, I noticed when we got home, it's just like it's just like if you go out and buy a yellow car, and then all of a sudden you see yellow cars everywhere you go. Uh, we're in Somaliland. And uh, uh, the capital is Hargeisa, and we came in from Ethiopia. And at first, they said the country's closed. They wouldn't let us in. We were stuck at the border for about two or three hours. And I love this kind of stuff because I just people watch. So I'm watching all this drama going on. And I knew we'd get in. And we got into the country, and we, we, we drove to Hargeisa. And our guide was quite cool, and he's uh, showing us around his country. We, we went by a cave with uh, 9,000-year-old uh, drawings of uh, animals that prehistoric man had made. It's a site uh, close to Hargeisa uh, that's a uh, candidate for becoming a UNESCO site. And we got stuck in the sand there for a couple hours. Uh, our our four-wheel drives couldn't even make it. In fact, on our trip, we probably had 10... Uh, Flat tires, the tires just blew out. We got used to that as just part of, uh, you know, roughing it in Africa. And so the port of Berbera, which is in Somaliland, I just noticed the other day a lot of American politicians were just there. They're thinking about subsidizing a base there for American uh, soldiers, etc., in uh, Somaliland. And it's kind of to balance. The Somaliland people are not real happy, nor the Ethiopians, of the Chinese who've come into Africa and they, they buy them off. They build a soccer stadium, they build a, a bridge, they do whatever, and they they don't treat the locals quite well and they take advantage of them, give them loans and that they can't repay. They'll never be able to repay them. We were going down into this wash one time on our way uh, out of Hargeisa, and uh, there was a bridge there, and the guide said, well, that bridge was built 10 years ago by the Chinese, and it collapsed a couple months ago, so we're going to try and use the 100-year-old Italian bridge that's down the way. They're going to get that going. So the product that they make is usually in haste. Buildings and stuff are not really of great quality. But you see, the, the I've been noticing this for 30 years. The Chinese come in and they build the soccer stadium and then they take all the, the valuable gems and, and, and gold and silver and, and, and take it for themselves. So the Somaliland, a different place. Uh, up in the hills, we saw black-headed goats. 
And they're the only goats that when they have a Ramadan in Mecca that they accept for sacrifice because you have to you have to sacrifice an animal when you go to uh, to the Hajj. And so black-headed sheep are the only goats rather are the only animal that they'll use to sacrifice and that's where they come from, only from Somaliland. And working my way back in backwardsness uh, back into Ethiopia, we had just left Harar. And Harar is a, a city that's considered the fourth holiest city of is, the Islamic empire. And uh, there, uh, the hyenas are in charge. For like a hundred years, the hyenas used to roam wild and they would uh, you know, attack people, etc. So they worked out a deal where uh, they let the hyenas ro- roam Harar at night, throwing out scrap meat in front of their house, and, uh, and then, they, then they leave. And then uh, the people go about their, uh, their business during the day. So we got a chance to go out at night as they're coming through the city wall. And I got pictures of my friend Sid from San Diego feeding the hyenas. And uh, that's uh, quite a thing. So aside from Somalia, where else did you go on this trip? Well, the trip originally began in Ethiopia. And it's a place that I've been going to since the early 70s. In fact, when I first went there, I was staying, which still exists, the Hilton Hotel. And I was leading a group. And uh, this group of soldiers down at the corner, I can still see it today, were lining up along the streets on the sidewalk. And I see this uh, red... Mercedes-Benz limousine coming my way. So I have my old Nikon FTN camera and I just panned it and I got a picture of Haile Selassie, the emperor of Ethiopia, going by, which I still have today, which, by the way, he happens to be uh, a god to the uh, Rastafarians, wherever they are, besides Jamaica. And so once in a while, it's in my... my, uh, cell phone, the picture of Haile Selassie. And that's been 50 years ago. And he dates back to the time of Solomon and Bathsheba. He's a like a god, like Kim Jong-un in, in North Korea. So when I was traveling around this time, I would show people periodically pictures of Haile Selassie. And it was a, a great starter for starting a conversation and a casual friendship. So this trip... Uh, was planned for several years and then COVID came and it kept getting extended and extended and extended. And so finally, I knew I was going to lose the air ticket. So we went anyways. And I say we, it's uh, three of my friends that always travel with me. So we get to Addis Ababa at 6,000 feet. It's high in the mountains. And Ethiopia is a kind of country that's extremely diversified. In the far north, which we were originally going to go to, near the Tigray population, that's an ethnic group, uh, are the stone churches of Lalibela and the cities of uh, Gondar and Aksum and places where they think the... Uh, and where the Ark of the Covenant is believed to be. It's in a small chapel covered up by a uh, cloth, which I understand now you can't 
get any even to see the cloth. But we had to cancel that aspect of uh, Ethiopia. But that opened up more time to go to the south, to the Omo Valley, to see dozens of exotic African tribes, Ethiopian tribes, where they speak different languages, look differently, uh, mostly uh, the men carrying AK-47s and some of the women having uh, lip plates that are the size of a small pizza, of stretching of the upper lip and their ears, earrings are the same, uh, dangling from their ears. They're, they're quite a sight to see. So there's all kinds of interesting tribes in, in the south of uh, Ethiopia and, you're, and animals. There's animals, all kinds of animals to see, especially baboons, uh, troops of baboons along the road, maybe uh, 50, 60, up to 100 at one time. So there's beautiful lakes and rivers and uh, national parks to see. And the friendliness of the people is outstanding. But for the weak at heart, if you go online, it's going to tell you not to go there. It's uh, on the State Department's list, don't go. And they'll mention in there that if you're an American uh, diplomat, you're not allowed to leave the capital city of Addis Ababa, which means new flower in Ethiopian. But while you are in the capital, and we did this uh, because we kept going back and forth, we had seven COVID tests going in and out of Somalia, Somali land, uh, back and forth uh, into Ethiopia. And at the National Palace, which used to be Haile Selassie's house, uh, you can see uh, remains of Neolithic people. And uh, that's, that's the place where you see uh, the oldest remains of a human skeleton. And uh, her name was uh, Lucy. And she's quite a sight to see. She's three and a half million years old, discovered in the last decade by a Berkeley anthropologist. Prior to that, uh, the oldest was about a million and a half believed to be in the Olduvai Gorge with uh, Dr. Lewis Leakey when I studied anthropology in college. That was considered the oldest. But Lucy doubles the uh, calendar going way back. And just a fabulous, she was about uh, four foot ten, weighed about 80 pounds. And she's to you get to walk right up to the case. I mean, going during COVID, nobody is in the hotel of any kind of a tourist nature. Uh, very few foreign European Caucasian faces anywhere. So you become like a rock star. People treat you really, really well. They're glad you came. You're spending money in their country. And that's what we did. And it made it a lot of fun. Uh, some of the lakes, we would go out in boats and see the largest crocodiles I've ever seen in my life. A huge colony of them, along with uh, hippos jumping up next to the boat. It, it was a fabulous trip, really exciting. Mickey, who was our guide throughout Ethiopia, uh, is a super person. He, If you go there, he knows the history, the religion, the all the ethnocentric uh, behaviors of all the tribes of the Omo Valley. And uh, he is an exceptional person, and it was a great experience to travel with him. All the different accommodations varied from no stars to four stars, and uh, the food was excellent everywhere we went. 
And I had a super time, and I'd do it again in a heartbeat. What was the food like? You eat it with your hands. You wash your hands first, of course, and you eat it. And a lot of it is meats and uh, cooked meats and soups and those kind of things. That sounds pretty interesting. Um, Would you ever go back? Oh, yeah. This was my third or fourth trip to Ethiopia. Like I said, I started back in the early 70s leading a trip there, and I had been back since. I hadn't been back in, say, a decade on this trip, but just like every time we go on a trip, you'd see it in the news. Uh, When we left uh, Somalia, uh, five days after we left, there was a bombing at the checkpoint that we went through every day, and then things started to deteriorate in Ethiopia with the war in the north with Tigray. Now it's starting to subside, but right after we left, it looked like the capital was going to get overrun by the Tigrayan rebels, and uh, that would not have been good. But it looks like the National Army of Ethiopia has got a hand on it now. Well, that sounds like a very interesting trip. Is there anything else you want to let everyone know? Well, it was a fun, exceptional thing to do. It wasn't Paris, London, and Rome. It may not be uh, right for everyone, but uh, for people who uh, like the exotic, it can't be beat. Stay tuned as we're going to have a few more episodes that we'll release each week. So thanks for listening.